Hi, I'm Kendra, and this is Stepping Off Now, a podcast for creative people who think outside of the outside of the box. If you're feeling stuck or burned out, confused about where you're headed, and like you don't know how to reach your full potential, this is your podcast. It's not the conventional life advice. I discuss topics like harnessing the intuitive creative process, using anti-productivity to enrich your life, and sorting through all the external pressures and expectations to figure out what you really want. My perspective is informed by my own experiences with burnout and recovery, and my struggles as a creative misfit, as well as my background in social science research. Whether you're struggling to find inspiration and direction, or are just feeling unfulfilled from day to day, my wish is that you'll find hope here. You can find more about me on my website, KendraPatterson.com, or visit the podcast website, SteppingOffNow.com, for show notes. I'm also on Twitter, handle at PattersKendra, and Instagram, username SteppingOffNow. So if you're ready for something different for yourself, and you're open to seeing things in a new way, come along with me. Let's do this. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Stepping Off Now podcast. I'm Kendra. I want to start by thanking my latest Patreon subscriber, Craig. Thank you so much for coming on board. Craig, subscribe to my new $5 tier that I recently opened up where I share a monthly bonus episode that I call What the Research Says, which is also the name of the tier. And in this episode, I pick a research article having to do with the subjects I talk about on this podcast, and I analyze it and talk about its implications. And as a trained academic, I also usually offer a kind of analysis of its methodology, its underlying assumptions, that's that kind of thing. And it's a really fun tier if you're interested in some of that behind-the-scenes research work that I do, the science-informed stuff that plays a part in all of my work, but not necessarily always explicitly. So you can check that out. There's a link in the show notes for my Patreon. And there are a couple other benefits as well that go along with that tier and the other Patreon tiers that I have set up. So today might be a little bit of a shortened episode because I have some exciting stuff brewing in my personal life right now. And today is kind of a big day. In terms of that, I will definitely be telling you guys about what's going on probably next week if everything works out, but it's it's a good thing. Nothing that is really linked to any of this work here, but it kind of sort of is actually when I think about it. So stay tuned for that news. Today I'm going to be talking about dealing with rejection as a creative person who is putting work out into the world and honestly, more broadly, just dealing with rejection, because this is something that all of us, of course, have to do throughout our lives. And for those of us who are HSPs, this can be a particularly challenging aspect of life and certainly of being a creative person who is seeking to put your work out there, whether or not you're doing it in an official capacity. Uh, For example, trying to get traditionally published with your writing Versus putting it up on a blog, in both of those scenarios, you have to deal with the externalization of the value of your work and worrying about 
other people's judgments of it and how they're receiving it, and sometimes or often outright rejection. Being an HSP makes all of this even more challenging. For those of you who are unfamiliar with the term HSP, it stands for highly sensitive person, and it was a term that was coined in the 1990s by Elaine Aaron to describe a certain type of person who has an extra sensitive nervous system, which leads to very high sensitivity in terms of their emotions, often their thinking processes or imagination, and physically speaking. So HSPs often feel things extraordinarily deeply, and emotions are often intense to the point of being overwhelming for us. And many of us also have physical sensory input issues as well. For example, sound sensitivities, being a super taster counts as being an HSP probably. You can have skin sensitivities, certain types of materials against your skin. But it's not just like a regular sensitivity. It's a sensitivity that overwhelms and disrupts your normal functioning. And if you get overloaded, you can quickly become non-functional, essentially. So being an HSP is a type of neurodiversity. And this is something that I've only in the last couple years become aware of. And discovering that it actually qualifies as a type of neurodiversity was extraordinarily validating. Because if you're an HSP, you will have grown up feeling like there's something different about the way that you experience the world. Like anyone who has any type of condition that means that they're not part of the mainstream privileged experience within a society and culture is going to feel this. They're going to know it. They're going to feel different. And this is always how I felt growing up. Sometimes I would meet other people who seem to be like me, but the problem is that there's many different ways to subjectively experience being an HSP. So it can even be hard to recognize other HSPs. And sometimes other HSPs can be really overwhelming for for us as well because of our high sensitivities. So learning in the 90s, I came of age in the 90s, learning what an HSP was was a big, big deal for me. And then learning even more recently that it's a type of neurodiversity was like I said, extremely validating. And I think over the next decade, as neuroscience research expands, we're going to understand even more what it is. And my my expectation is that we're going to discover that being an HSP isn't just one thing. It's part of a spectrum of experiences and possibly conditions. And that will be interesting as well. But I want to be clear that for me, my primary interest is always the subjective experience of how it feels to be you in the world. So regardless of what psychology and neuroscience says, although I do a lot of research in those areas, ultimately, how we are in the world, how we feel in the world is about our subjective experience of ourselves in the world. And so we're allowed to experience being an HSP in whatever way we experience it, regardless of whether or not it's, quote, confirmed by science or whatever. And so today I'm going to talk a little bit about how I have dealt with rejection over time when it comes to my work, particularly my creative work and particularly my fiction, and 
what that has to do with my plans going forward for my novel that I recently finished. And if you follow along with this podcast, you'll know that over the summer, I finally finished a novel after about 15 years of trying to finish a second novel. This is my second novel. And I decided that I was going to pursue publication. As I've spoken about in a number of episodes, I think episode two, I went into this a little bit. And then in my episode a month or so back about my writing journey, for a few years, I actually decided to stop pursuing publication of any kind, including self-publication for any of my fiction. And the reason I did that was because I had been over the years, essentially, I'd kind of, I guess you could say that I was kind of uh, traumatized by the whole submissions process. I use that word with caution because, of course, rejections when you're creative, they're not really something that people are doing at you to be mean to you or to traumatize you specifically. It's just part and parcel of being a creative person. But for an HSP, it can feel like a type of trauma and it can accrue like trauma. And so I essentially experienced severe burnout that was associated with a lot of other things going on in my life, but also had to do with years and years and years of just pouring my heart into my writing and being brave and putting it out there and basically receiving nothing but rejections for it. And that takes its toll over time. So for a few years, I eschewed publication of any kind. But then when I finished this novel, I decided I was in a healthy place, a healthy enough place recovered from my burnout, you know, doing all of this creative work that I'm putting out there in terms of my blog and podcast, that I was in a good place to be able to start back on the road to publication. And my plan was to try for a little while as much as I was able to submit for traditional publication, and then go for self publication, if nothing came of that. And the first step of that journey was submitting my novel manuscript to a competition called Pitch Wars at the end of September. So I worked really, really hard over the month of September to get my manuscript ready for that and submitted it. And as expected, I have not been successful in this competition. Thousands and thousands of people entered. There was a 3% chance of getting chosen. So this was certainly the expected outcome. And Going into this competition, I had a lot of management techniques in place to help me psychologically through the experience because I knew that it was going to be challenging, of course. So I had a lot of other stuff that I had lined up if I was unsuccessful in this competition. There's National Novel Writing Month in November that I was going to use for revising my novel again, and then I would do another round of submissions in a competition called PitMad, which is a Twitter-based pitching competition, and et cetera, et cetera. I had this whole plan lined out. You can listen to my writing journey episode if you're curious about the details and the thought processes I had going into this competition. It might be a really good comparison. Well, what ended up happening around this Pitch Wars competition is that I unfortunately, but maybe not really surprisingly, was much more negatively affected than anticipated in terms of dealing with the inherent rejection of the competition. Although I say it's really, it shouldn't be surprising to me, it really was because I had prepared my ass off, not only for this competition, but to deal with 
the what I knew would be the intendant challenging feelings that I would encounter around being back on the road to publication, dealing with pitching to the traditional publishing industry. I've been there, done that, so I knew what I was getting into. But it still knocked me on my ass, and I experienced a really, really severe mental health episode. You'll recall that like over the summer, I had what I called depression flu, which kind of acted just like a flu. It was here for a few days, maybe a week at most, and then I got through it and it was totally fine. Well, this mental health episode was totally debilitating. I became essentially like a non-functioning person to the point of, for me, what that looks like is not being able to get out of bed, worst case scenario, and having to cancel a number of things I had around this podcast, doing some interviews and stuff like that, which I almost like I I basically never do stuff like that because I'm a very conscientious person. And for me, canceling something and not living up to my obligations feels way worse. I mean, it it compounds how, how bad I'm feeling, right? So finally getting to a place where I had to do that. And everyone was super understanding because I was totally honest about what I was experiencing. That to me is a sign that the effects of entering this competition were debilitating to me. Now, what does this have to do with being an HSP? Well, here's why this kind of thing happens, can happen to HSPs. It's not that the competition and the rejection involved in the competition itself caused this. My reaction wasn't just because of the competition. But what the competition did, and the experience of it did, is it weakened my defenses. So I have a really low bar when it comes to overwhelm. It happens really easily for me and for HSPs in general. In terms of a lot of things in our lives, both like sensory input and stuff we're experiencing in life. So a lot of my life is spent managing input in my life so that I can remain fairly functional. I'm really not a functional person in terms of what our society would deem as a highly functional person, but I'm functional enough. And what stressful events do to us is it basically it takes up a lot of our spoons, if you've ever heard of spoon theory. So if you have like five spoons in a month and four or five of them are used for just all the regular stuff you have to do, when you add something else like this competition into the mix that needs a a sixth spoon, you're kind of screwed. It is inevitably going to take you over the edge. It's going to overwhelm you and it's going to put you into that crash zone or that place of overwhelm or however you characterize that. And that's so that's basically what happened is that by adding this other thing into the mix that was very triggering for me because of my past experiences, suddenly I didn't have enough spoons to deal with all of the other regular stuff in my life and everything all of a sudden became too overwhelming and it all built up together. So that's basically how that works. Now, more specifically speaking, the reason that for an HSP putting themselves out there into the world like I was doing in terms of submitting to this competition takes up so many spoons is because HSPs in general are just extremely sensitive to feedback of any kind. We're extremely sensitive to anything and everything. I mean, that's kind of what we are, like being an HSP, a highly sensitive person. We just have a, a, the neurobiology of our brains and our nervous system is just 
more sensitive than the average person. So we're always just going to feel stuff to a greater magnitude. So we just get more easily stressed out. We get more easily wounded, I guess you could say. It's not like it's inherently more painful for us than anyone else to deal with rejection because rejection sucks for everyone. It's just that we feel it more strongly because of how sensitive we are. So I don't want to say that like I think I'm the special case that just feels rejection, like it just hurts me more because I don't want to take away from anyone else's pain of the experience of rejection. And I ultimately, this is all about our own personal subjective experiences of this stuff. But it's kind of like, you know, some people have like a higher or a lower pain threshold when speaking of physical pain. This is this is kind of how you can see it in terms of being an HSP and emotional pain. So this isn't a case of HSPs being like, oh, poor us, we're so delicate and sensitive, we can't deal with rejection. No, we know we have to deal with rejection. We know we have to go out into the world and accept that there's going to be rejection and that that's just the way it is. And we, well, I personally don't believe that I need any kind of you know, special consideration or anything like that in terms of submitting my work. But I also accept that it's just going to maybe be something that I can't continue doing, you know, because of being an HSP and how I'm prone to mental health challenges. And I think that this is probably the most devastating and frustrating part about having something like this about yourself is that you can feel like you have a lot of potential that you may never get to realize because of it. And that's certainly true in my own life. There are many things that I have not been able to have because of these challenges that I deal with. And again, this is something that I accept. And all of us have our relative disadvantages and advantages, like I'm always saying, and we have to work with what we have. But it can be a really devastating experience to go through something like I have this last month over this competition where I felt so positive going into it. And I really did cover all my bases. I did the best I could in terms of ensuring that I could manage it. And I still got knocked on my ass. That's very frustrating. And I think the irony of all of this, of course, is that being an HSP is one of the reasons that I'm also very creative. Those things are linked together. Like on the one hand, I love being an HSP. It's what enables me to do the work that I do and to feel all the things and put meaningful work out into the world. But it also makes doing that extraordinarily challenging. So you're probably wondering, after hearing all this, what I'm going to do going forward with my novel. And you're probably asking yourself the question, is she going to, is she going to quit? Well, I want to say that there is absolutely nothing wrong with quitting if something is too overwhelming. And there's no shame in that. But I am going to try to continue on a little bit further with my plan of submitting for traditional publication. And the reason I feel that this is the right decision for me right now is because the one shining warm light of this month in terms of my novel is that All through the month, I got a lot of ideas about how I'd like to do revisions during 
NaNoWriMo coming up, National Novel Writing Month, and have been feeling deeply excited about them. I mean, thank goodness. (laughs) Because one of the wonderful things about this novel was that I really loved the whole process of writing it, which was a new experience for me. I'd always been a writer who struggled a lot with writing and feeling like I had to force myself to sit down and write. My experience with this novel was totally different. It was mostly just a joy. And it was the novel that helped me rediscover my joy and creative process. And that ultimately kind of led to me doing all this other stuff with my blog and podcast. Those two things kind of developed in tandem together. And I'm so grateful that even though this has been a really deeply challenging experience, that that joy is still there and it's still there for me to find. And so I'm going to spend November rediscovering that joy and healing. And then we'll see. I mean, it's my plan still to do the Twitter pitching event in early December. And I don't know, like, we'll see if I get any encouragement from that. So that's my my plans going forward. And, you know, I, I still feel pretty down. But I am endeavoring, I am persisting, and being able to share honestly with all of you guys what this has felt like for me, and I know that a lot of you are going to identify really strongly with it because you're HSPs as well, is so important to me because I'm increasingly realizing how much being an HSP, at times you'll hear me uh, call this being a gentle soul, but I'm increasingly actually using the term HSP how much that has to do with my experience of the world on the day-to-day moment-to-moment of it and how many challenges it throws in my way and also how many gifts it gives me in my life, especially around creativity. And it's going to probably become a more prominent part of my work and my behind-the-scenes research that I do. And I actually have been making a lot of connections recently with other neurodiverse folks. And I have a friend who has invited me to come on his podcast. It's actually a live event, which is going to be in November, where we talk about neurodiversity in a general sense. And he has ADHD, so a different type of neurodiversity. And that should be a, be a really interesting discussion. And I will make the announcement on next week's podcast around when that live event is going to be. And of course, it will be recorded. So you don't have to attend the live event, you can catch it later. And then I'm going to have him come on my podcast in the following months to talk about neurodiversity through the lens of creativity. So I'm really excited about those events. And I'm hoping that those discussions will be fruitful in terms of helping me helping my listeners understand better how neurodiversity impacts our subjective experiences in the world and also what its links are to creativity. Like I said at the beginning of this episode, I do believe that our understanding of neurodiversity is going to increase over the next decade. And I want HSP or whatever term ends up kind of describing what being an HSP is, I want that to be a part of the conversation. Because being an HSP is a real thing. It's not just something that we made up or imagined. It's an actual condition of brain functioning. But of course, the picture is always going to be very complex when it comes to what's nature, what's nurture, and all of those questions. But I want to be 
an advocate for HSPs in general. And of course, as I said, I do think ultimately what matters is our own subjective experiences of being who we are in the world. So I want to continue to share my own experiences of being an HSP and the research that I do around being an HSP, a lot of which I will probably be sharing on that Patreon tier that I talked about called What the Research Says. And I'm really excited about this direction of my research. And I hope that for those of you who are HSPs or have HSPs in in your life, maybe you have a kid who's an HSP and their extreme emotions just seem a little mystifying. I'm really hoping that I can provide information and solace to you through this strand of my work on the podcast and elsewhere. So stay tuned for the announcement next week about the upcoming live cast event I'm going to be doing about neurodiversity and being an HSP. And I will also definitely be putting information about that into my newsletter. So you can sign up for that on KendraPatterson.com. If you want to get the most up-to-date information, that's where you'll find it in my newsletter. Also next week, I'm going to be talking a little bit more explicitly about some of the coping mechanisms that I used during this last month around the competition. And although they didn't keep me from, like I said, really having this kind of severe reaction, they're still of value. And they do work. Like a lot of management techniques, they sometimes work really, really well, sometimes not so well, and sometimes they totally fail. But that's kind of par for the course, right? Nothing works all the time in the same way every time. So I guess this means that this episode is actually a two-parter, and I will be doing part two next week. Thank you so much for being here with me today. I really appreciate my listeners. I appreciate all of my Patreon supporters. Thank you for continuing to email me with your thoughts and support. It means so much to me, and it also helps me know that my work is meaningful out there in the world, and that's always great to know. If you're interested in supporting my work, you can check out the links in my show notes. I have a lot of different ways that you can do that, from leaving a one-time tip through the Buy Me a Coffee website to signing up to be a monthly patron of one of my bonus episode tiers, or I have a separate podcast that's a tarot podcast where I use the tarot to explore various weekly themes that just have to do with meeting life's challenges and finding solace amid the struggles. And uh, it's a small group of patrons, and I get a lot of good feedback about that podcast. It comes out every Sunday and really kind of functions as a starter for the week. And it's also a great way to learn more about tarot, if that's something you're interested in. And again, you can find links in my show notes for all of that stuff. I'll see you next Friday. Bye.